Welcome to the Check Your Head podcast, the podcast where notable musicians and experts come and share their stories and their solutions for mental health and wellness. I'm your host, Mari Fong, a music journalist and life coach for musicians, and we're soon approaching February and Valentine's Day. So our focus today is on relationships, something we can all relate to and something so key to our mental health and wellness. We'll get down to the nitty-gritty, starting with how to avoid toxic relationships and ending with how to have more loving relationships with each other and with ourselves. Today, I'm thrilled to have the perfect dynamic duo as featured guests, the beautiful and talented R&B artist India Shan and one of America's top psychiatrists and relationship experts, the great Dr. Ish Major. We start the episode with a singer-songwriter who's worked with the likes of Chris Brown, Solange Knowles, Ludacris, and Carrie Hilson, and recently dropped her single called Moving On, featuring Anderson Pack. Our featured guest is India Shan, who will share her story and also give us a musical treat, performing her song Be Myself with Ron Avant of the Free Nationals, so be sure to stay tuned for that. For a mental health expert, you may know him from TV shows such as Marriage Boot Camp and The Tamron Hall Show, but what you may not know is that Dr. Ish Major is also on the prestigious list of America's top psychiatrists for three years running. Dr. Ish Major is our expert guest, and he'll be giving us couples advice, tell us the one question to ask before blowing up at our partners, and his tips for making all of our relationships just better. But first, let's start our talk with the beautiful and talented India Shan. But I wanted to get to relationships. <laughs> I know that's something that you think about in your songs. Yes. And yes. also that you've had some difficult and even toxic relationships. Uh-huh. And that's something that I know a lot of us can relate to. I'm sure there's a, you know one relationship that really stands out to you. Whew. <laughs> a couple of couple that stand out <laughs> well that's the other thing sometimes we fall into the the same pattern but mm-hmm. a lot of it is about realizing and being conscious about what's going on I mean I myself have had my share and had to realize that it's it takes two to tango it does but tell me a little bit about those toxic relationships and what kind of transpired Oh, um, you know, well, I, I realized this year that, like you said, um, I've been in a pattern of dating people who are unavailable, emotionally unavailable, just unavailable to, to meet me halfway, you know, or just to give of themselves in a healthy way. And so I came to the realization that I've been dating the same man in different bodies for like so many years maybe since I've started like the beginning of time (laughs) you know and it's it's sad but it's also liberating because I don't take it so personally with each individual like I I have to take accountability you know for um making that same choice over and over so you know I feel like the music has been so reflective especially like these past singles you know they're beautiful and it's funny how like some people are like oh riding down you know the highway listening to this I feel so good I'm in LA but I'm like if you really listen to the words (laughs) you know what I mean it's like actually like kind of melancholy 
Um, and I feel like the music, that batch of music was just so reflective of kind of like the hurt and bitterness um, of failed relationships, you know? And even like now being in a more conscious place and seeing that and being a little bit more self-aware, I'm like, man, I want to I, I want to go back to the drawing board, you know, and um, those songs are good because people feel those ways. And, you know, I think it's good for just to just to release them and like get the emotions out. But I also want to put something equally as like positive <laughs> on the project. You know? So, um, yeah. I'm just working on balancing it right now. I'm just going to say this because I'm not even sure if it's true. I mean, you're this beautiful, giving person. I can see it um, inside and out. And sometimes the men that are attracted to that may appear to be giving at first, but they turn out to be very selfish and sometimes narcissistic. Oh my gosh! Yeah. If that hit, does that hit a chord at all? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, they could sense the giving, and and uh, that's where they want to take. You know, right, right. Yeah, I had a conversation because um, I'm learning. I'm I'm in therapy, and I'm learning about this term codependency. You know, and so I was having a conversation the other day about how um, most people are codependent. You know, um, but then I thought about these takers, you know, <laughs> the people on that end, not to say that codependents can't be takers, but I'm like, I feel like there's like codependents and then there's narcissists and sociopaths. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, we find each other, <laughs> we find each other. So that's the dynamic, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, we all get healthy. <laughs> and I've realized that I have this thing about wanting to help. And I think there's something in my soul that kind of taps into somebody who's hurting and they may not say it, but there's something that attracts me to that. So I have to watch out, you know, because here I'm trying to do that with the podcast, but I don't want that in, in my personal relationship. Right. Yeah. Well, I am the daughter of a recovering addict father and a single mother of four. So, I mean, I think that that just, you know, you can't help but become a person who is constantly forgiving, constantly um, helping, trying to figure out how to, uh, like, remedy things and just um, making yourself available. I mean, especially to my mom, you know. So, I mean, and, and, and equally to my father, you know, as he was popping in and out and just, dealing with all the things that come with being a drug addict and an alcoholic, you know? So, um, I feel like I took all of those things into my relationships, you know, how can I be of service to you? How can I love you with all my heart? How can I show you that I'm always going to be there for you? How many times can you, you know, shit on me and how many times can I forgive you and, you know, prove that whatever I can help you, I can fix you. I'm worthy of your love. And, this is okay. Like, you know, all of those things, all of those things I took into my relationships. So, um, it's just right now, like in a reprogramming because I think that when you're in the habit of that, it becomes so much of who you are, you know? So I'm just, I'm reprogramming and just trying to make better decisions and healthier choices. 
Well, I'm so glad that you've been able to see that when you grew up with that. And I yeah. think that we fall into patterns from our parents. And also, there is DNA that can happen. Uh, an addiction can get passed on, you know, through generations sometimes. And so something like a drug addiction can be triggered, you know, by a bad relationship or a trauma or something like that. And you said that was something that also was was part of your life at one time. Uh-huh. Or was it a relationship that triggered that or was it something something else? Well, as you said, I think like just genetically <clears throat> having that that predisposition. <laughs> you know, my family's from Trinidad, so I don't know if you know about Caribbean culture, but they drink, you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's just like already in me. But then also my father being an alcoholic. And then um, I think just with the pressures of this career that I've chosen, which, you know, I started my career at 15. So, you know, I was, I was in the clubs early. I was in the clubs at like 16, 17 performing. I was in ATL performing and just exposed to a lot. And that's kind of when I started drinking. And, you know, you take a drink to ease your nerves, calm your nerves. And like, like you said, it's just like that, that addiction is just built from that pattern of doing it all the time. So, um, you know, and then I was, I was on tour last year, which was like, (laughs) show after show after show, need a shot of tequila before I get on stage. You know, it's still a part of the process in a lot of ways, even recording. It's like, how I need to get comfortable. Let me have a glass of wine, you know? And I think that's fine, you know, with, um, I, I think it's fine as long as you're not like overdoing it, you know? So yeah, working on that. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the thing is that it could kind of sneak up on you, right? Just innocently and like, okay, just to calm the nerves. And then all of a sudden you're noticing that it could affect your behavior and can affect your relationships. And sometimes, you know, things are said when you're on something or you know, whether you're drinking or high. And I've talked to a number of musicians, you know, that have gone through that. And it's tough because you've got to be really honest with yourself, you know, when you get to a point where you feel like, you know what, I need to do something about this. Right, right. And I, I just think it's a form of escapism, you know, drinking, drugs love, sex, relationships, all of those things, we, we lean into those things because we don't want to be with ourselves. And that is the part that I'm like, you know, why, why do I need to drink right now? What am I uncomfortable with? What can I face in this moment? You know? And, and so I'm looking at the ways that we like, just can't be with ourselves and have to like, you know, um, grab for those, those things, those external things. Well, you know, I found that one of the greatest fears of people in general is the fear of being alone, but also being alone with our own thoughts. Right, right. And for me, that is the beautiful thing about meditation. And I'm so happy that I found meditation. It's always been like kind of within reach because I've done yoga forever. And so, you know, that's a part of the practice. But within the past, year or so I've gone really deep into my practice and I mean I think that 
being able to sit with yourself is such a simple concept. And it's crazy that we've made it this thing where it's like, oh, medicine, like I can't, I can't just close my eyes and be by myself for five minutes. It's too hard. It's like that, that's a damn shame that, that that's just such a challenge for a lot of people. But I've gotten really comfortable with it. I think the more you get comfortable in the practice of meditation, you can like take that into life and just be good on your own. And of course, like intimacy is beautiful and connecting with people is beautiful, but there's something about just being able to enjoy your own company and be by yourself and allow those thoughts to come and be able to process things on your own, you know? So meditation has been key for me. Well, one thing about meditation, I've tried to understand it. I've tried to do it the way (laughs) they do it, like get all the thoughts out of your mind and, you know, Mm -hmm. still. And then I'm thinking like, what's supposed to happen at this point? (laughs) But what I find is that when I'm out in nature, when I take Uh the dog out for the walk, I'm in the tree, you know, with the trees and you hear the birds and you see the beautiful blue sky, all of a sudden your mind relaxes. Yeah. And I think that's really the thing is once your mind is relaxed, it makes everything clear. Yeah. I think that you're right. That's what it's all about. It's about relaxing and getting clear. That is, that should be the only goal. You know, I think um, people have wild expectations when it comes to meditation. And honestly, for me, I feel like when I'm really consistently doing it, I do see the magic of it in my daily life. Maybe not in that moment, you know, I might not whatever have a vision or, you know, but I see it unfold in my daily life. But like you said, it's, it's all about just getting clear. And for some people, it's being in nature. I think nature is very healing. So, you know, do, do what works for you. <laughs> well, besides meditation, I noticed that you, your mom is a therapist. Uh-huh, she is. What kind of therapy? Is there a certain kind of therapy that, you, that has been really helpful for you? Um, I, I don't know that the kind of therapy I go to has a specific name. I don't know. It's just therapy as far as I know. But, um, what I love is that my, my therapist was formerly and formerly in the um, music industry. So she has a context for my world, you know, and, and that helps. And she's a woman maybe like in her, um, mid forties or something. So it's, it's good. Like it's just having a person to talk to you that is just going to sit and listen. I mean, we have friends and we have family that we can talk to, but they're always going to kind of like insert some level of opinion, you know, or judgment or what a solution. And you may not need that. You may just need to talk and get it off your chest, you know? And so I think that that's the cool part about it. One thing I noticed you uh, have this wonderful thing uh, called Wellness Wednesdays, and I saw that uh, one one of your episodes was about therapy. Uh-huh. You normally do something where you point out a few different points to remember. Okay. With therapy, I think you wrote, find the right match, uh-huh. be honest, and do the work. Do the work, yes, yes, yes. Right. Um, and that's working on ourselves, how we're acting and what we're attracting. 
right? Whether it's relationships or a career or whatever it might be. Most definitely. But tell me more about Wellness Wednesdays because I, I love that whole concept. Thank you. Um, so as a new artist, I knew that I needed to like just be putting more content out into the world. And I mean, I know that people look at me and, and see the, the glitter and <laughs> sequins and all the shiny stuff. And I wanted to show the world who I am on, you know, um, a more pure level, I guess. And um, I thought this would be a good way to do it. And also, it's just a way of keeping myself accountable for this wellness lifestyle. You know what I mean? It's easy to wear the garb and burn incense and things like that, but to really be on a, a true um, journey of wellness and like in a real practice of it on a daily basis, you know, it holds me accountable. So it's been good for me. And it's been, it's funny because even though I've been in the industry for all these years, like it's the challenge. So I like to have something outside of music and songwriting that uh, I can devote time to. And I just feel like it's, it's planting seeds right now. It's planting seeds and hopefully people are watching and getting inspired. So that's been cool. Well, they're kind of like, um, they're, they're like usually less than 10 minutes. Uh But I was wondering as a musician, uh, going on tour and songwriting, working with other artists, what are some mental health tips kind of like for the long run? Oh, uh, um, definitely to develop a routine. Um, for me, that is, of course, meditation, as we said. I see a therapist weekly. I'll probably lessen that as I um, <laughs> become less crazy. <laughs> um, being out in nature, working out, hiking um, almost daily, that's good for me. Cracking open uh, a book, you know, what they call self-help books or, you know, self-developmental books. That's good for me. I just, that's my like go-to set of tools in this toolbox. You know, when I am down or feeling low or kind of in a dark place, I know now that I have these tools that I can pull from and just feel better, you know? So definitely develop a routine. Of course, surround yourself with positive people and watch Wellness Wednesdays now. (laughs) You can say that. (laughs) That is a solution. What are some ways to have healthier relationships and to avoid toxic people? Mm. I think you really have to um, develop a healthy relationship with yourself first. Really get to know yourself and love yourself. You know, we hear that all the time, but I think that our outer worlds and our relationships are so very reflective of the relationship that we have with ourselves, you know. Um, So spend time with yourself and really get to know what you want, what you really want. And I think from that place, you can create healthy boundaries with people. And that's why I am right now. It's like, okay, I'm going to keep you at six feet. Um, I'm like, you know, you can come in a little closer. You can, you know, um, but you have to know what you really want. So self-awareness. Self-awareness and self-care. Uh-huh. And I think especially for women, because we kind of grew up maybe seeing our moms being a little subservient, we have to consciously think about our self-care first, ourselves first, without yes. feeling selfish about that. 
Right. I mean, it's so ingrained in us as women, you know, and for me, I didn't have a father in the household. My mom never had boyfriends around or anything like that. So it was literally just her. But I think even just in the media, you know what I mean? Like, this is what we what we grew up saying. And we got to reprogram, you know, it's all an undoing. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Yeah, Sean. And you know what? One of my, my favorite parts of the episode is when artists say that they will do an acoustic song after we do our interview. And you've agreed to that. So I'm super excited about it. Yeah. And I'm going to do um, an oldie but goodie. <laughs> this is this is Ron Avant from the Free Nationals. They took me on tour earlier this year. So um, yeah, shout out to them. But um, this song is called Be Myself. And the message is that all I have to do is, is be myself. I don't owe anybody anything outside of just being who I am authentically. And that is enough. We are enough as we are. And this was the first song that I ever um, wrote for myself as an artist on my first album, Origin. <laughs>
gave myself. All I gotta do, all I gotta do is be myself. <laughs> He's just gonna keep playing. <laughs> Okay, it's beautiful. <laughs> you play beautifully and you sing beautifully. Thank, Thank you so much. so much. Yes. Oh my gosh. I haven't I haven't sang that song in so long, so that was good. So good to do. Next up we have board certified psychiatrist and relationship expert, Dr. Ish Major. Dr. Ish has spent the last 15 years helping men and women find, date, and keep the loving relationships they've always wanted. So let's hear Dr. Ish give us his practical, down-to-earth advice on dating, mating, and relating. It's so great to have you on because let me tell you, everyone can relate to relationships, especially being stressed at this time. We've got the pandemic, we've got the lockdown. And, you know, that's put a strain on a lot of relationships. What do you see as some of the, some of the greatest challenges for couples during this time? Well, I think one of the greatest challenges um, is just to learn how to be patient with each other. Because we really ran thin on that. <laughs> we ran thin on two things in 2020. We ran short on patience and we ran short real quick on empathy, right? We just we just didn't have time for it. And part of that was, you know, imagine, you know, God forbid if your house is on fire, right? What do you do when your house is on fire? You reach for those things that are important to you first. My partner's here, my you know, husband, wife, well, my partner's here. Like, where are the kids? Got Honey, grab the kids. Now I got the car keys. I got the money, right? We need, these are some clothes. We need some things to be okay. And so in 2020, you know, we all realized that we weren't okay. And it was like our house was on fire. And so we kept those things that we needed to feel good, super, super close. And we had very little patience for anything and anyone else who didn't help us feel that way. Um, and a lot of us figured out that our partner <laughs> was one of those people. <laughs> so it's hard, right? Yeah, it was, it was extraordinarily difficult. Well, also like the time that, we had to do other things to distract us, uh, either from our relationships with our intimate you know, partners and also the relationships that we had with ourselves. We you know, yeah. have more time to be alone with our thoughts. Yeah. And then having to also turn on a dime. We've had to do, we, we've been faced with a lot of stresses kind of all at once. Yeah. And that's, a, that's the other thing, the thing you just touched on, um, you know, Patience with each other, but a lot of us ran out of patience with ourselves, right? This is, this, we're in the West. This is part of our culture is we like to keep going. We like to, mm. to go on to the next thing. We don't like to sit still and sit quietly and be alone with our thoughts because we might not like what we're thinking and we might not like what we're thinking about them or more importantly about us. And so that was one of the things that really forced us to sit and do it. A lot of us are very uncomfortable with that. And so that just led to more of the relationship toxicity that we saw. Now, do you know what the number one study came out a few months ago? Do you know what was the number one question asked in 2020? Number one question. Uh, gee, uh, how do I spend more time alone and be happy with that? 
that's that's great. That's a smart question. Number one question in 2020 was, why do you do it that way? <laughs> right? <laughs> Talking to your partner. Why do you chew that way? Why do you do the dishes that way? Why do you breathe that way? Why do you walk that way across the floor? Because we were getting on each other's nerves. <laughs> yeah, even so, the littlest things. The small things, the small things. When you don't, you know, in, in psychiatry, we call it frustration tolerance, right? When you're not feeling well, if you're depressed or you're sad or you're anxious or you're having some issues going on, your frustration tolerance goes down to zero and there's very little you can do. As it just makes, it makes everything get on your nerves. And so part of that is just understanding for 2020, as we try to get through 2020, as we try to get through our relationships, you know, people are doing the best they can. And if they could, if they could do it better, they would probably do it better. But what they're showing you is the best they got for today. And so you've got you've to be able to take people at face value where they're coming from and then work within those confines. Well, you know, with COVID and the lockdown, the pandemic, and also the stress of what's going on politically, uh, mm -hmm. what kind of advice would you give uh, couples? You said patience is really important. Yeah. What are some other things you, you could think of that can be really valuable during this time where we have, you know, so much time together? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest thing that I could tell couples is make sure you're telling each other the truth. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to tell yourself the truth about what's happening, right? Because what we're, what is it, whatever we're getting into it about, whatever I'm not liking or loving about you today, whatever's getting on my nerves today, whatever, you know, we've got to be able to tell ourselves the truth about why that is. Um, and, and what that's not. And so there's one question that will literally save your relationship if you're getting caught up in those type cycles. And that question is, whenever something is going on and they did something you don't like, or whether, you, know, they're, they're, you know, they're chewing too loud, or they're, you know, they're sleeping too long, or not sleeping long enough, or they're you know, not you know, picking up behind, whatever that thing is, whatever your, you know, your, your pet peeves are, stop in that moment and ask yourself this one question, what else could it be, right? Mm -hmm. And let because your partner know about that. Right, right, what else, what else are they doing? Are they intentionally just getting off my nerves? Don't they know that I don't like it like that? What could be that, or what else could it be? I texted you two hours ago, you just texted me back now, that must mean you don't, what else could it be? Stop and ask yourself just that one question and let allow the time be to run through a few different scenarios. Could be their phone truly died. Could be they're truly busy. Maybe they're stuck in traffic somewhere where they don't have any. Could be a million other reasons that don't have anything to do with them not loving Lou like they're supposed to, mm. right? And so yeah. if you can just stop and ask yourself that, it's much easier to not take what your partner is doing personally, and you can have a much more enjoyable time tonight. Mm, that's good advice. Okay, so we had the interview with India Sean, uh -huh. and uh, you know we talked about givers and takers and codependency. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain what it means to have a codependent relationship? Yeah, so that's a good question. Uh, a lot of us are in codependent relationships, and we don't even realize it, and we don't even know why. Uh, so traditionally, what you're thinking about when you talk about, you know, the, the more classic example is you're in a relationship. One partner drinks, one partner's a flat-out alcoholic, the other one doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. And so what happens is the non-drinking partner will spend 90% of their time 
trying to take care of the partner who drinks, right? Trying to manage their situation, trying to clear all the alcohol in our house, trying to clear all triggers out of their way, trying to keep them sober and keep them emotionally stable while everybody's life is falling apart. And so that's a cope. The true definition of a codependent relationship is when I am taking responsibility for your life. What okay. you think, what you feel, what you do. I feel overly responsible for that. I'm here to fix it. I'm here to mend it. I'm here to make it as smooth as possible to my own detriment. Because the other thing that happens in a codependent relationship is we think that the sick partner, right? And, and this can be, so this could be a drinker, non-drinker, right? This could be a, a drug user, non-drug user. This could be somebody who's got an eating problem and one the other partner doesn't. This could be somebody who's got any type of compulsive thing that's happening, right? What is eating, whether you're an eater or a gambler, a shopper, sexer, rager, hoarder, whatever those things are, right? No, that sets up the dynamic for a codependent relationship, right? Now, the other person doesn't necessarily have to be, quote unquote, sick. You could just be one of those people who like to take responsibility for folks who are not functioning on a level that you are, and you still have that codependency that's uh, that's happening. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I, I do think that happens quite a bit. I mean, I'm, a lot. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to bring it to myself just because, um, you know, I'm trying to figure this out mm -hmm. myself too. But I, I noticed that there's a part of me that uh, really can sense when somebody is hurting. Yeah. And I think there's part of me that wants to help and heal. I'm conscious of it now, but I wasn't before. And I think sometimes it it attracts the wrong people for you. It could it could lead possibly to a to a toxic uh, situation. No, possibly about it. <laughs> it definitely can. And and it's like it's like bees to honey, right? Because what do we do when we when we're out in the world uh, and we all I don't care who you are, I don't care where you're from, I don't care what type of life or family you come from, whether you had a whole lot or very very little. You know, once you show up here, especially here in, in, in the West, it's almost impossible not to suffer from that disease called not enough itis, right? Who I am just isn't enough. Right? Every time, every time we open our eyes and wake up in the morning, we're immediately bombarded with the images that tell us that who we are isn't enough. I go on Instagram and I immediately see a guy who's taller, more handsome, got more money, got a nicer car, got a prettier apartment, what, what, all these things, right? People on TV, oh, they, you know, they got more money. They're more, their life is more fancy than mine. I scroll through people's highlight reels, and they're going on better vacations. They got better, all of these things. And so we all suffer from that in some way, shape, or form. Um, and so what we're doing is we're trying to go through life trying to get whole. Right? We're trying to look for the next thing. What's the thing that's going to help me feel more whole today and more full today? And that's typically how we attract our partners, right? They have something that we may be missing, right? Mm. If I'm bad at saying no, I'm going to naturally be drawn to people who are really good at saying no. Mm -hmm. If I'm bad at functioning in this area of life, I'm going to be attracted to somebody who's better at functioning because together we got a shot at balancing this thing out and coming out whole. And so that's usually, right? It's, it's like bees to honey. You can't, you can't describe it. If you put those two people in a room, Nine times out of ten, they're going to find each other by the end of the night, and it is going to be, they're going to be off to the races. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> well, how do we recognize, let's say, when 
something about ourselves is attracting the wrong kind of person and kind of reprogramming ourselves to attract the right person, a healthier relationship. Yeah. yeah. So the way you recognize it, you know, we got this, we were all born with this amazing navigation system uh, called emotions. Mm-hmm. And they are always guiding you to whether you're doing the right thing or the wrong thing, right? Just, just You got to just check in with how you feel. If you're doing something you feel joyful, you're probably doing the right thing. Keep going. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something you feel less than, if you're doing something you feel hesitant, if you're doing something that just feels downright icky, it's not the right thing, don't continue to do that. You know, the other thing we, we were taught here is that in order for me to be deserving, to have the full life that, that I say I want, I have to suffer through some things, right? I got to bear the cross and I got to suffer and I got to have the trials and I got to have the tribulation. And you don't have to do any of it, right? <laughs> You're here, right? You won the lottery. You got a brain that functions. You got a body that functions. So there's nothing else you need to do to deserve that joy and that happiness that you want. So don't get caught up in feeling like you've got to go through this struggle in order to come out on the other side and be rewarded. You know, that life can be its own reward. So that's the first thing. But when you talk about reprogramming um, and understanding this, so Trust your emotions, right? And then just tell yourself the truth about where you are and what, and what you're feeling and why. And then you really, the way you really start to take ownership and start to reprogram in your life is to start changing the story that you're telling yourself. Right? Mm. My dad used to say, you know, there's no mystery to anything. If you just think about it long enough, you can figure it out. And so in life, right, the, the reason that the reason you don't have everything it is that you think you want and deserve is because of the story you're telling yourself of why you don't have it. Right? Yeah, I, I agree. And I do think that what we think and how we think also attracts things into our life because we start to focus on those things and maybe have other things fall away. But that really kind of struck a nerve because I do think that um, oftentimes the basis for a lot of uh, problems in relationships and other things has to do with how we feel about ourselves, like the love that we have for ourselves. And what is it that I guess we can do to really fall more in love with ourselves so that we can be more loving to others? Yeah, yeah. It's lovability, right? What's your lovability level? What are those things that you love about yourself? Um, and so, again, yeah, we've all got a story that we tell ourselves, right? You know, I'm, I'm too this. I'm not enough that. I'm too tall. I'm too short. I'm too big. I'm too little. I'm too smart. I'm too dumb. Whatever those stories are, you know, you got to start really paying attention to what, those, to, what's, to what those tapes that are that are running in your brain, you know? Yeah. What, what's, check, go back and check the tape. Did I just call myself stupid for just making a bad decision? I'm not stupid. I just didn't make a great decision. I should do it better. And so check the tape, right? Start really start understanding the narrative you're telling yourself not only about you but about how life is supposed to work right but if your narrative about love is that all guys cheat well guess what your your brain wants to make you life make sense right mm-hmm. and so your brain is going to attract some guys who help you make that story come true yeah there's another cheater and another cheater and another and another and another right if your dating story is that you know it's a jungle. It's a dating game is jungle out there where you go you go run into some animals. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but if you're if you just change that story and say, you know what? You know, they, you know, dating is a dance. You know what I mean? And I'm and I'm just a butterfly. And I'm just you know, now, now it's a whole difference, right? You 
even your face changed when I just said that, right? Because it's mm -hmm. a whole different idea of how you go about it. Now it's light and it's fun. And, you know, I'm going to see where I land and we'll go from there. So you really got to pay attention to the narrative that you're telling yourself. And again, tell yourself the truth about the thing it is that happened. Right? We've, all, we've all gone through stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we get to this game where we kind of measure our pain against somebody else's, right? You know, my bad thing was better than your bad thing. Uh, so I get to talk about it more. My bad thing wasn't as bad as your bad thing. So I don't deserve to feel bad. No. So stop. So stop doing that. But whatever that thing was, right? We're all the hero in our own story. We're all the main character in our own movie. And we all got this thing we got to overcome. And so whatever that thing was, you got to tell yourself the truth about it, right? Well, because the truth as you knew it then, once you're a little removed from it, you got a 30,000 foot view. It's probably not the truth as you know it now. So go back and look at that and say, huh, I think I was wrong about that. The truth about that as well. You know, for example, let's say you grew up and you didn't have a dad in your life. So you grew up feeling like crap. Well, what, as a little kid, the story you start to tell yourself is, well, I wasn't smart enough. Or maybe if I was prettier, or maybe if I was more handsome, maybe if I could get better grades, I could have done something to make him proud. Right? What, what was the thing that wasn't? there in me that I was lacking that made somebody who was supposed to love me not love me, right? You carry this throughout your life, but now you should be able to look, you can be able to look back and say, okay, you know what? Actually, I was three. <laughs> I was a kid, right? So maybe the truth of that is maybe this was a guy who was living his own life, being his own main character in his own movie, and he had some things going on that didn't allow him to properly take care and be present for a little boy who and maybe that's the truth. Maybe the truth is it actually didn't have anything to do with me because I was actually okay, right? And once you can start doing that and start to restructure some of those conversations and take that narrative of the bad thing that happened and tell that story from the end, right? You know how it ended. It didn't kill you. You're here watching me and Mary. You got an iPhone. You got Wi-Fi. Things turned out okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> so tell the story from the end. You know, instead of saying, well, there was that time when they came into my room at night and they would do these things to me. Okay, yeah, that takes you down a whole separate path and makes you relive it. Tell it from the end. You know what? I am so proud of how I am showing up today because you can't believe what I had to overcome. Mm -hmm. I am so amazed that I can show up and still fight and still try and still go to achieve and still believe that I deserve some more in spite of the thing that happened. So once you can start telling that story from the end, that's how you really start to reconnect and make some reconnections in that narrative and then you practice telling that story and see how much more empowered you feel showing up in your life well let me ask you this i mean that that makes great sense because you're basically changing like you said changing the story in your head right. but as a psychiatrist would you say that actually being honest with yourself and being that self-aware is a challenge because i know like for instance uh, like narcissism let's say uh -huh. that that whole condition is based on creating like this narrative that may not be based on the truth but it also helps them survive to have this narrative i yeah. mean what do you think in those cases what to do yeah so so the, the ability to self-reflect right and, and tell yourself the truth about who you are mm -hmm. you know everything we the way our personalities develop is through defenses, right? We're born this this helpless, vulnerable baby, and we're dependent on somebody else for the next 
15, 18, 20 years to help take care of us. And so most of what our personality develops is in how do I defend against the things that happen that come to threaten me, right? I'm, I'm cold or I'm hungry. I got to cry. Come take care of me. But then, and so our personality just kind of developed. I need, I need to be hugged. Let me whine a little bit. I need some attention. Let me fret a little bit, right? That, that whole thing. Um, and depending on what you feel you need the most depends on what parts of your defenses and your personality develop. So if you're talking about a narcissist, right, that is a very particular personality type. I will tell you as a psychiatrist, they are the toughest patients I ever have. And they're the hardest patients you're ever going to have because they are invested in believing the narrative that they tell themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, because what's underneath that gruff shell, that tough shell, that hard edge shell. I'm the best. I'm the smartest. I'm the prettiest. I'm the richest. I'm the grandest. I'm the baddest thing in the jungle. Once you crack that shell, mm -hmm. there is a soft, quivering mass of uncertainty and insecurity. And it is very hard to put that back together. I had a doc who I was seeing a long time ago. And he was on the verge of losing his license because he was such a jerk. He <laughs> 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 was just a jerk. He mm -hmm. was great doc. Nobody could deal with them. And once you, you know, once you start to just pelt them with little truth pebbles, well, maybe that's true, or maybe it's this. And they have to start thinking about it. And the day they crack, right? That's the, the clinical term we use. The day you crack that shell. He literally cried in that office for 30 minutes. <gasps> really? And it is, it is one of the worst cries you've ever seen in your life. And it just breaks your heart because they're just in, underneath that shell. They're just a scared little kid, you know? Mm -hmm. Every one of us has something we're pretending not to know about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody pretends better than the narcissist, right? They've mm -hmm. perfected the pretend. Mm -hmm. uh, because underneath there, if I let you see me, and you reject that, then I got nothing else. That's all I got, mm -hmm. right? And that's going to leave me with nothing. And so they are really, really invested in, in that that personality type in particular. It's hard. It's tough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. fun, fun to date for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes, and they kept you in their web. And then, yeah. Well, and, and the narcissist, right? He's, the narcissist is extraordinarily charismatic. Right. Mm -hmm. At getting people to follow them and at making you believe that you are the only person who exists in this world. Right. They make you mm -hmm. feel special because I am so grand and now I'm giving you that opportunity to bask in my glow. So therefore, that makes <laughs> you special. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Up until the day that you do something that displeases them or doesn't please them or doesn't match up with what, whatever story, whatever take they've got running in their head. And then it can get really, really ugly. Right, right. Because then you become a threat to their whole persona right. that, you know, right. that they kind of survive with. Right. A big thank you to the wonderfully talented India Sean and the always delightful and insightful Dr. Ish Major. For more on India Sean, find her on social media at India Sean, on Facebook at India Sean Sounds, and purchase India's music on Amazon.com. For more on Dr. Ish Major, visit drishmajor.com. Find him on social media at Dr. Ish Major. Look out for Dr. Ish on season 18 of Marriage Bootcamp on WeTV. And stay tuned for part two of Dr. Ish's interview on our next Check Your Head podcast episode. 
For mental help and solutions for recovery, visit CheckYourHeadPodcast.com. And if you enjoyed today's Check Your Head episode, share it with your friends and be your friends on social media at CheckYourHeadPodcast. And thank you for leaving us a review or supporting us with a donation at CheckYourHeadPodcast.com. So until next time, be brave, ask for help, and be persistent in finding the mental help that you need. The Check Your Head Podcast is kindly supported by DBSA San Gabriel Valley, Lemon Tree Studios, and Blue Oak Mastering and Podcasting in Los Angeles. Visit our website at checkyourheadpodcast.com where you'll find free and affordable resources for mental health and where you can also support us by donating or subscribing to our Patreon page. Thank you so much for liking and following us on Facebook and Instagram at Check Your Head Podcast. And the Check Your Head Podcast is sponsored by a 501c3 nonprofit, so all donations are tax deductible. Thank you so much for listening and for your support.